There have been times in my life when it didn't seem like either option was great, right? Like the 2016 election. No, I mean, I didn't say that. I'm not picking sides, I'm just saying, right? And I know, the, I know the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, so I'm not worried about nothing. I'm just like, you know, I had someone tell me after the nine o'clock, I lost half my audience with that joke, but I don't know which half he was talking about, right? It is, um, it is a frustrating thing. Like when you feel trapped or hopeless or discouraged because you don't see a good way out. And, uh, you know, back when you were in school and, you know, is it A or B and C was neither A or B? (laughs) I hated those kind. (laughs) Or all of the above. How does that work? If C is neither A or B, how is D all of the above? Anyway. I appreciate those who get my humor. <laughs> the rest of you will get on the way home and start laughing out loud. But so this idea of like there's, sometimes we get into a situation, um, sometimes from our own doing, sometimes, sometimes not, but we just need better options. That's what I love about Jesus. So Jesus had, bless you, Danny. Jesus had the ability to step away from the situation because he was God, and come up with another option. In John chapter 8, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, you have Jesus teaching in the temple, and here's what happened. They, it says this, And early in the morning he came, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Now, here's what it looked like. So the temple was a big rectangular building, And there was a little one in most towns, right? So here Jesus is in the temple. And the way that the temple looked, it had seats all the way on the perimeter facing inward. And sometimes it was just a single and then sometimes it was a double stack, right? It was, you know, depending on how big the community was. And then the person who was going to do the teaching would literally sit down. And there was a stone table and it had little grooves on it, and they would take the scroll and unroll the scroll and set the ends of the scroll into those grooves. And so you had this parchment, the scroll there, and the person that was doing the teaching would sit down and teach from that, and everybody's facing him. And it was a beautiful way to communicate. So that's, that's where we are right here. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Am I the only one that wonders why the guy wasn't brought in too? Why it was just the woman brought in? So imagine the display they're trying to put on here. So they're in the temple. Jesus is teaching. Everybody is in here. Jesus was a very interesting character. So a lot of people are here to to hear what he has to say. And they bring him in, and they are going to put him on the spot. Now Moses, this is them continuing to talk. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. 
But what sayest thou? So he said, he said, they're telling Jesus, so, so Moses commanded that this lady be stoned to death, but we want to know what you think about this. This, they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, I love this, as though he heard them not. My passive aggressive nature loves that right there. Right? Like I am not listening to you right now. As though he heard them not. Okay, I mean, they make this big production, bring this woman in, and they make this big declaration, and Jesus acts like he doesn't even hear him. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, look at this, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No, man, Lord. And he said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So these religious leaders brought this woman to her and created a trap for Jesus and only gave Jesus two options. The first option was for Jesus to become the executioner. So if, if Jesus abides by what the Jewish law said, then this woman would go out and have to be stoned to death because that's what Jewish law commanded. She had broken one of the Ten Commandments that was punishable by death. But if Jesus said that, then it kind of went against what he was teaching everybody. The other option, the other part of the trap, the other side that is inferred here is that Jesus would be the excuser. So for him to say, well, you know, she doesn't need to be stoned, well, now he's excusing the consequences of her sin. So neither option was very good. But what I love that we see what happened here is Jesus stepped outside of the trap and found a third option. Even though the situation seemed hopeless for the woman and actually for Jesus at the moment, Jesus' creativity allowed for a better option. So I don't know what you're facing in life. I don't know what choices you have to make or what position you've been placed into. Maybe it's difficult or uncomfortable or undesirable. But here's a few thoughts. The first thought is this, that there's always another option. When you're confronted with complicated problems, it's easy to fall into the trap that there's only two bad options here. This is all that's available to us. Let me tell you, those are the obvious ones. Those are the only ones you're seeing right now. 
But other options do exist. I believe better options. And let me tell you the truth. The fact that you believe there are better options is what it's going to take to get you to find them. And that's a big statement. Because if you're resolved or resigned to the fact that you can only do bad option one or bad option two, you're not even looking for another option. But if you believe that there is another option and that God can provide another option, you just have to be willing to look for it. Because here's the thing. God is bigger than just two options. Right? God is bigger than two options. And God always sees more possibilities than we do. Now, I'm aware of the fact that, um, that there are portions of Scripture that... Um, were written to a particular group of people. And um, I want to be respectful of Scripture and, and, and learn something about the character of God from a few Old Testament verses that I think are just precious. And the first one's in Jeremiah, and it says this. It says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. And then what does he say? Which thou knowest not. Now, here's the part I'm being respectful of. I know this was written to the people of Israel, right? At a particular time in their life. And so for me to take this verse and say, well, this is what God's going to do for me, it shows us what the character of God is like, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that I can insert myself in that particular situation. My friend Randall said this, and you can take this with a grain of salt if you want to, but I'm not even sure what that means. Does salt make things taste better? Is that what it is? Take this with a grain of salt, right? Or, I don't know, whatever. Take this with some paprika. It just doesn't sound as good. (laughs) Take this with a grain of salt, right? So, So all the Bible was written for us, but not all the Bible was written to us. So all of this is for us. Paul teaches that it's for our admonition, it's for us, it's for doctrine, it's for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that we may become who we need to be, right? I believe that. But when we read through scriptures, we have to understand that a lot of it teaches us the character of God. So when when we see a verse like this, I love this. I love, and the idea here is that there are things that God has in store that God can do that we're not even thinking about right now. How about this one in Isaiah? It says this one, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways. That's probably a good thing, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts more than your thoughts. So what if there were better choices, right? What if there was, what were other options for you? Maybe you're not able to see them right now, but are you even entertaining the possibility that the situation you're right in, you're in right now, you're only seeing this option or that option, but there may be better options available. My guess is that there is a better option for you. And that's encouraging to me. And some options, number two, can only be found through Jesus. The religious leaders came and they only gave Jesus two options. And when they pushed him, he came up with a third option. And let me just give you a bit of encouragement here. If you're a Jesus follower, you have already experienced the greatest third option. 
Because before Jesus, there was only two options for you. You could either perfectly obey the law, right? All Ten Commandments perfectly. So how we doing? Yeah, right? We know, Paul. It's like, (laughs) no, it's like, have we lied? You don't have to, no movement necessary, all right? Have you had a bad thought? Have you, I mean, look at the Ten Commandments. We've all missed the mark. Like we, we've all fallen short, the Bible says, right? There is nothing good in and of us. David said, oh, how discouraging is this? David said in the Psalms, in sin did my mother conceive me. I started off wrong. I started off away from God. So, so that's one option, right? You can try to keep the whole law. But all of us pretty well agree that we've already blown that. So then the option number two is <laughs> that we disobey the law, which is where most of us are right now, and separated from God in death and hell. And as much as we try to do the right thing, it's never going to outweigh the wrong that we've done. Get that out of your mind. It's not on you. It's not up to you. I love, I love this. Jesus offered a better option. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. He says that at that time ye were without Christ, having no hope. And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So picture a courtroom, right? You're guilty. You did it. The gavel comes down. You are sentenced. It's done. You know you're guilty. That's the position that we're all in. But Jesus stepped forward and took your punishment. Right? So he died on the cross, paid for your sins. Your sin became him, and his righteousness became you. You don't deserve it. Let's forget about that. That's what his love and grace and mercy are all about. We've already experienced the greatest third option here. That's what I'm saying. So if that is possible, what other options are now available to you because of Jesus? Do you see what I'm saying? So if he could take care of that, then what other options could possibly be available to you because of Jesus Christ? We couldn't save ourselves. God intervened. You may not be able to figure it out, but God can intervene. So here's my encouragement to you to this morning, that Jesus, the Jesus option offers hope. And that's what I'm excited about this morning. In this story, Jesus stepped away and escaped the trap that was set for him by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he did more than help himself get out of the trap. He provided hope for the woman. And I believe this, that there were other people in the crowd that were like, ooh, that speaks to me too. So the hope that Jesus gave was not just so that Jesus would be able to give them the right answer. The the hope was that this woman could now go and sin no more, that he did not condemn her. But then there were others in that crowd as well that needed the same 
kind of hope. So when God gives us a third option, a better option, it's not just for us, it's for us to share. And our opportunity as believers, please hear me, is not to just sit and enjoy the salvation that we've been offered. Our job as believers, it just is the decent thing to do. The right thing to do is to share the hope with other people so that they can experience the hope of salvation. The greatest option we can give other people is bringing them to a God who loves them and wants the best for them. And the same creativity that Jesus Christ showed in this situation in John chapter 8 is available to you. There are better options for you and there are better options for other people. You don't have to feel trapped by your circumstances. You don't have to feel hopeless. We just have to make sure that we look to God for the answer. Not only that, but the people around us can experience hope. So here's a few questions to ask yourself when you are in a difficult place or discouraged or hopeless or you want the opportunity to help somebody else. The first question I would ask myself is, what is God doing here? Now here's what I love about that, right? It opens up the possibilities. What is God doing here? If you just step back and just ask, all right, so, so, so what is God doing in this situation? Because I believe this. I believe God is working. We may not understand it. We may not see it. And it doesn't seem to be happening soon enough. But God is at work. And if you're just willing to just step back and open up the possibility that God is doing something here. It changes the whole conversation, doesn't it? Like, like I believe God is working in your situation right now. So you may only see option one and option two or option A or option B and you don't like either one of them. Do you believe that God is at least working in this situation? Yes, I firmly believe that. And so if God is working in this situation, then look for the possibilities. Look for what God could be doing there. What does God think about your situation? What is God thinking about the matter? What is his perspective? Oh, how about this one? What is he doing in your life? Like, what, what, is, God, what is God working on? What is he doing in your life? What is he doing in their life? I know you want them to get right with God. I know you want them to come to faith in Jesus. I know you want them to give their problems to him because he can do such a better job. But believe me, God is working in their life. And here's the honest truth. He loves them more than you do. And let's let God be God and believe that he's working, right? So what is God doing? The second question I would ask is, what is God's timing here? What is God's timing? So if God is working, then maybe we need to give him the time to continue to work. But we want everything now, don't we? Just like a toddler has no clue what patience is. That's how we are, right? God, this is the way that I think you need to fix the problem, and I need it done by noontime today, right? 
We want God to work, and we want God to work the way that we want him to work. Immediately, please, God is not a genie in a lamp that you only rub the side to get a few wishes whenever your life gets really desperate. No, he's the God of the universe, and he is working in and around your life. He's doing something, and he's doing it on his timetable. But there are times, and I know this is going to be hard for you type A personalities, but there are times when the better option is not to do anything at all. Right? If God is working, maybe the best option is to let him work. (laughs) Vera turns to our granddaughter this next month. Some of the most beautifully disastrous words are, I help you. <laughs> yeah, I love your, I love the offer, right? And I love to hear you say those words, but don't touch anything, <laughs> right? But that's how we are. Like, let me fix him, God. Let me tell her how she ought. Maybe the best thing for you to do right now is to zip it. Keep your mouth shut. Let God work. I'm not saying that that's an excuse for inactivity. Because some of us probably need to get off our butt and do something. Okay? I'm just saying that it might be a possibility that maybe you're just stepping away and letting God do what God's going to do because you're just going to mess it up. Not that I don't have any faith in you, but you don't even know what you don't know. Think about that for just a minute. You don't even know that you don't know that you don't know it. And I'll stop there. But you get the idea. You don't have a clue what God is doing. And yet we want to rush in there and fix it. Because I know you. Because I know me. Like we know if they only, oh, come on. It's so easy to see. And maybe God is going to use you to work in that situation. And maybe you are the option. But maybe we just need to ask ourselves, what is God's timing here? What is he trying to accomplish? I believe this. I believe that God loves him, loves her, loves them more than you do. And maybe we just need to trust that God is doing what God's doing. So what's God doing What is God's timing? And here's the big question. What is my role? Like, what should I be doing in all of this? If you have found hope in Jesus, (laughs) don't keep that to yourself. Our job is not to tell people what to do. Our job is to point people to the one who knows what's really going on. And if we can introduce them to Jesus, and if we can help begin that relationship, then let God do what God does. 
He's the one who loves them more than you do and wants what's best for them. And he actually knows what that is. You're just guessing. Like you're like, I think that's about the right thing for them to do. You don't know. Because you haven't even figured your own life out yet. I mean, you're, you're still working on stuff, right? So let's look at this beautiful story of hope in John chapter 8. And realize that that woman's story is us, right? It's us. And Jesus offers hope. And Jesus offers salvation. And Jesus is the better option. And friend, let me tell you, none of this works without Jesus. And none of this works if you don't know him. And I believe this. I believe that, that you're trying to figure this out. And God is calling you. And he wants this relationship with you that will fill the void that's in your life. And he so desperately loves you that he gave his son to pay for your sin. And then Jesus rose again from the grave to give us the ability to not just live in heaven one day, but have a relationship with Jesus right here on earth. And if that's what you need this morning, you are in a place full of folks who love you and would love to see that happen. Because none of this works without Jesus. And that's my biggest option I can give you. Let's pray. Jesus, we do need you desperately. And thank you for the options that you give us in life. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for working in our lives and those that we love. And help us, Father, to respond to the call that you have on our life. To trust you, not just with our salvation, but with our life. Like letting you work. Thank you for loving us so well. In Jesus' name. Amen.